eco-friendly living. For a lot of people out there, it can seem like a daunting task, one with so many options and paths that you end up feeling overwhelmed and confused instead of inspired and ready to take action. It's hard enough living life today without adding another thing to your plate. That's why I'm here to help. I'm here to pull you out of the societal norms of materialism and overconsumption so that you can live a happier, simpler, more eco-friendly life by making small changes in your habits, mindset, and home. This is Kayla Rogers, and you're listening to the Unrooted Mama Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Unrooted Mama Podcast. Today I have a very special guest for you guys. This is someone that I connected with over social media. Um, she has a lot of similar values as I do and is very passionate about eco-friendly living and sustainability. So hi Morgan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and having a chat today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Thank you so much. So can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, definitely. My name is Morgan Mazur. Um, I am a mom of a little boy named Leo. He's going to be two next month. Um, And then my husband's name is Christoph. And we live in Austin, Texas. So um, we've lived here for about three years and we really like it. So um, besides being a mom, I'm also a private chef. So I actually ran a a zero waste food prep company for a few years um, up until November of last year. And then I decided to take a... um, full-time job as an in-home private chef. So that's what I do now. Gosh, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I cook for one family. Um, my specialty is vegan food. So I cook vegan oh food. Um, and then hopefully once COVID's over, I used to teach cooking classes, vegan cooking classes. So hopefully I'll get to do that again one day because I really like, yes. oh my I gosh. love doing Open that. Open up some Zoom vegan <laughs> classes. I will, I will be your student. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I do. And then outside of work, um, I'm a mom, but I'm also really passionate about sustainability and sustainable living. So I decided to a few months ago, start a podcast um and about sustainability called sustainable motherhood so yeah and that's how I uh, connected with Kayla yeah that's amazing that I love hearing about your time as a (laughs) chef and it's awesome (laughs) that you like focus on vegan foods and I feel like that I don't know that's such a big part about sustainability and eco-friendly living like I don't know I wish I could go full-on vegan in one day so, <laughs> so if you open up those classes where you how to make your amazing vegan food again hit me up when that happens because I will be, I will be the first one to sign up that's amazing I will yeah hopefully so too. yeah <laughs> so when did you first like dive into eco-friendly living and what caused you to look into more of a sustainable lifestyle for yourself and your family So I guess it started with me being vegan. Um, I've been vegetarian since I was a child and I just am not really a meat eater. Like, you know, some people are just not into eating meat. That was me. I just didn't want it. Like I wasn't a kid that wanted the chicken nuggets and stuff. So (laughs) I just chose to become a vegetarian when I was like seven or eight. Um, And then I went vegan about six years ago, maybe seven now. Um, And that was a lot of it was for animal, you know, cruelty and animal rights things, but uh, I learned a lot about 
the impact of animal agriculture mm-hmm. on the environment. And that's kind yeah. of where it started because um, there's one movie called Forks Over Knives. Um, yes. And they talk a lot about the impact of, you know, methane gas on the environment and overfishing and all of these things. Um, and so that really got me started. Mm-hmm. And I've always, you know, kind of been the person that like didn't want to buy paper towels, but a lot of it's because I'm cheap. <laughs> so um I really, really probably like beginning of last year, I was like, I'm going to start being like super eco-friendly and try to like reduce our trash to like nothing. And so that's kind of, kind of where it's been. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that you've been like meat free since you were a kid. I was also like, I was fine with meat up until my babysitter who had a farm when I was maybe eight or nine, like fed us bacon one morning and she was like, yeah, those pigs that were outside in our barn, that's what you're eating. And I literally cried for like three days. And I told my parents, like, I'm never eating meat again. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And my mom was like, my parents were supportive, you know, at first and bought me like Boca burgers and beans. And then it just got like, I guess, hard. And then I <laughs> went yeah. back after like two months. But I know one day I will go full on vegan, but my husband's a really big meat eater and he's like, I'm not going to go vegan. So I still have to like prepare meats and stuff. Um, but yeah, I love that you've been vegan for forever because that's something that's like (laughs) such a huge goal of mine. And I just think that's absolutely amazing. You can do it. Yeah. My husband is also not vegan. I will say that. Um, but we, pretty much only have vegan food in the house. Um, But I also was vegan before I met him. So I think it's sometimes a little more challenging when you've been together and you want to like make that change. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just keep working on him. (laughs) I think if you just, you just keep talking about it, keep having a conversation, you know, you can't pressure, you can't really pressure anyone into doing it. I think that's not the right way to go. Everyone's on their own journey. You know, the same thing with sustainability. Everyone's on their own journey and forcing someone to do something, you know, never never really works out. out. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think it's definitely like, it can be really like emotionally mm-hmm. taxing on people and people yeah. don't realize that it definitely does like coincide with your emotions. And, yeah. you know, I think there was a study done. I don't have the study like in front of me, yeah. but where, you know, if cows were more traumatized during their slaughter than the people yeah. who ate the cows had like some of that trauma. Yeah. So, even, it would not surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing that, you know, mm-hmm. that's interesting about, being vegan, but I could talk about yeah. being vegan like all day. So <laughs> Maybe do another like podcast episode, literally just talking about vegan and you know, how yeah. eat free and stuff. I would absolutely love that because I, yeah, love I feel like that, that could help a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. And I used the company I used to run was like all vegan, zero waste oh. meal prep. So I have a lot of good tips. I'll um, hopefully make an episode on my podcast too, about like <laughs> tips for, um, you know, meal prepping zero waste, because I think, yeah. you know, when you're a mom, you meal prep can be really useful. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, <laughs> so I guess we'll, I, I kind of will expand on this a little bit. Cause I feel like a lot of people listening might have their interest peaked. What is one tip that you have for people if they are trying to eat more or I guess less animal products and start like maybe not eating a hundred percent vegan, but slowly consuming less. What's like the biggest tip that you have for them? 
Um, I would say I really like the idea of doing like meat-free days or <laughs> meat-free meals. So yeah. um, if you're someone who eats meat at every meal, mm-hmm. um, I guess it, it kind of depends on the person. Because if someone, there's some people who only meet, eat meat a couple times a week, yeah. um, but there's some people who eat it, you know, at every single meal. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, cutting back, like saying, okay, for breakfast, we're going to, I'm going to be meat-free. Yeah. Um, or on Mondays, we're going to be meat free. I think that's a pretty big movement. Yeah. Um, and just kind of moving away from that and like trying alternative protein sources. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people jump right on the bandwagon of like going for the fake meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that can be your body can know mm-hmm. that it's not that. Yeah. And so I would encourage people to go with beans, go with lentils, um, try lentil pasta or chickpea pasta to get your protein in instead of just jumping directly to like the Beyond Burger. Yeah. And I think those things are great occasionally, mm-hmm. but um, I think that, you know, if you are really like a diehard meat eater and you are switching to those things, it could, yeah. your body, you know, you could feel kind of like you're missing out. Yeah. And the same thing with cheese and dairy. Mm-hmm. I didn't eat fake cheese for probably three years when I first went vegan. And even now I rarely do because I really did like cheese. Yeah. Eating fake cheese was just kind of sad for me. I feel that (laughs) I had to cut out dairy for like a whole year because my daughter had a extreme dairy intolerance and every single vegan treat cheese that I tried just made me want to cry more than not eating cheese Mm -hmm. at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, but then once you don't eat it for a while, you're like, oh, actually, this is pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I also, I don't like very many vegan cheeses still. They are a lot better than they were when I first went vegan because when I first went vegan, vegan cheese was like really, (laughs) really gross. And it's a lot better now. But um, that's what, that would be my tip is instead of just replacing the foods with like, like foods, Mm -hmm. you know, try different meals, try, you know, a lentil curry or... Mm be patties or something like that instead yeah no that's awesome thank you so much I feel like that'll help a lot and especially me like I we do consume a lot less animal products than we did and there are days where we like don't eat any meat whatsoever but definitely like I'm gonna start doing meat-free Mondays or at least one specific day of the week I think that's a really like awesome way to kind of get your foot in the door with you know, eating less meat and kind of the vegan lifestyle so that's awesome thank you so much Yeah. I know besides just being like an eco-friendly mom, you're also passionate about being minimalistic in your home. So can you tell us some, or like, tell us how you got started with living more minimally? Yeah. So I guess when I moved out um, on my own from my parents' house, Mm -hmm. I moved out like right after high school. I just wanted to get on my own. I didn't have a lot of money, so I just didn't buy a lot of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, So that kind of started and I was like, oh, I don't really need stuff. And um, I did have a pretty big wardrobe at the time, I will say. So um, then when I, I don't know, I moved quite a bit and I realized that moving all this stuff was just really draining and really taxing. And so I really cut back on on the things that I had, especially clothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I really got, I I didn't really even know what minimalism was. I just never had a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... I think when I, like, I think I watched the movie, Minim- The Minimalist. Yes. Um, and Because my dad was like, oh, you're like a minimalist. And I was like, I am. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't have a lot of stuff because I'm poor. Because <laughs> I'm like a broke college kid. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I really liked that movie, you know, but they are definitely like the extreme type of minimalist. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, when you get married and you have a kid, mm-hmm. you start accumulating things and yeah. you start accumulating stuff that maybe you don't really want in your house. Yeah. And so that's where I've really felt that minimalism has like come into play with, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just really think a lot about what I bring into our home. Mm-hmm. Um, we also live in a one bedroom 800 square oh, foot yeah. apartment. That is amazing. <laughs> so we don't That's have, awesome. and we don't have a garage mm-hmm. um, or anything like that. Um, that will probably change here in the next few months. But for yeah. now, you know, we have like, we all share one closet. Yeah. And then we have a really small like storage closet outside. Um and that's it. And I, and so that's the other thing is that you feel your stuff more when you have less space. Yeah. So you don't have like the space to hide it in a way you don't have a garage to hide stuff in. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of like helped a lot. And I've just, as my son has grown, I've just chosen not to either get stuff or when he's grown out of it, I give it away. Yeah. Um, I think if we were planning on having another kid in the near future, I probably would, you know, keep more stuff. Yeah. But I've just been able to give things to friends who have kids that are younger than him. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my take on minimalism. I, yeah. I'm probably not like a super strict minimalist, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I love the idea of it. Yeah, <laughs> kind no, of like I'm you. Not- it's very similar to you. It's like, you know, it's not like my house looks empty. Yeah. It doesn't look bare. Um but yeah. So yeah, no, that's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, we just moved. We previously, like before this house, we lived in a house that was, I think, 1,100 square feet. So a little bit bigger than you guys are in right now. But we um, got the opportunity to move onto the military base with a house that was like twice the size. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. You know, we have an upstairs and a downstairs, you know, and we really don't have too much stuff. So I was like, we're going to have a lot of white space. And oh my gosh, I miss my tiny house so much. I hate now that like, and especially since we're like minimum, you know, minimal ish, I guess I hate having a big house now. Like when you're when you said 800 square feet, I was like, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. If love. we move to a bigger space, it would yeah. be pretty much the same size plus yeah. a bedroom for my son. Yeah. Like I don't want, I really don't want a big space because then yeah. I feel like it looks awkward and empty and you have this need to fill it up yes exactly and honestly it's just so much harder to like take care of I don't Mm -hmm. know what like just putting a staircase in like one extra bedroom did but I hate it I'm like I have to go upstairs to do laundry like I'm not going to carry the toddler upstairs and then like put the baby gate up and I don't know it's so complicated so I love yeah I love that you live in a small space and (laughs) I feel like it definitely helps it it helps you keep it minimal because like, you know, you want your space to be uncluttered. And when you live in a smaller space, then yeah. It, and then it sounds so like backwards, like, you know, you would think that you're more cluttered in a smaller space, but it really just encourages you to not mm-hmm. keep a bunch of crap that you don't like, because then you're crowded by all of these, like, you know, linens and blankets and decor. And it's like right in your face. And you're like, I hate you. I bought you five years ago at like a yard sale. And <laughs> I've been thinking that you're ugly for two years. Let's just take yeah. you to the thrift store. So yeah, I love that. That's awesome. There's nowhere to hide it. No. <laughs> Except our tiny storage closet, which is some, it does get a little messy in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, but it's mostly, yeah. gar- it's mostly gardening and car stuff. That's amazing. You know, those essential things that are not pretty. 
but yes. you have to have. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So let's shift gears a little bit more. One thing that I know that you're really passionate about and that you've talked on on your podcast and, you know, on your social media is Montessori style, like play and learning for your son. And that's something that, I don't know, I feel strong, like not super strongly about, but I've looked into Montessori. We do have a lot of Montessori toys, um, but I've never talked about it on the podcast so if you could just talk a little bit, a bit about, you know, what you do in terms of Montessori and kind of what got you into that, I think that would like provide so much value to my listeners. And I'm very curious to hear about it. Too. <laughs> yeah. So um, I kind of discovered Montessori. My son was about maybe like three or four months and I've heard of Montessori schools, but yeah. I didn't really think about it in like a home setting. And um, I just you know, I've always been kind of a gentle parenting, attachment parenting type of type of parent. Um, and I like the Montessori-ish toys. And yeah. so I read this book called The Montessori Toddler oh gosh. Um, by Simone Davies. And it's like amazing. It's the best book ever. And it just really opened my mind to like how Montessori can be implemented in your home. Yeah. And I think people think of Montessori and they think of like tiny chairs, mm-hmm. tiny tables, you know, everything kid size. And that is definitely a big part of it mm-hmm. because, um, you know, you want to give your kid independence. That's a huge yeah. thing in Montessori. But when you really like go down to the base of Montessori, like the phrase that, you know, describes it in a sentence is follow the child. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of going off of your child's interest mm-hmm. instead of walking into a room or walking to the park and saying, Hey honey, you want to go down the slide? Hey mm-hmm. honey, you want to go on the swing or look at that rock? Isn't that rock cool? Mm-hmm. You just kind of watch what your kid does mm-hmm. and to see what they're interested in yeah. because kids go through all these phases where they might be really in this gross motor skills where all they want to do is climb up and down the stairs at the playground over and over and over. And you're like, what are you doing? (laughs) But they, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Children really, they know how to learn. They're, you know, they have different times where they're more absorbent to different things. And when they're, you know, on their gross motor skills, they're going to want to be climbing on everything. Mm -hmm. And that's when it's really great to get your kid to the park. (laughs) So they're not climbing on your table uh, or kitchen (laughs) counter or whatever. Um, And then there's times when, you know, when they get a little bit older and they're, they're really absorbent to word language. Mm -hmm. So maybe they'll start talking at that point, or you'll just see them really engaged in what you're saying or books you're reading. Um, And they might bring you books to have them read to and all of that. So Mm -hmm. that's really like what I do, like is just to follow my son and just see what he's interested in. And that's also really helped with minimalism because instead of having like a lot of toys, just Mm -hmm. every single toy we've had out at a time, I do a toy rotation. So um, he has like one toy, since we don't have a playroom or anything like that, he has all of his things in our living room. And so I also just don't want toys literally everywhere, you know? And um, so we have a shelf that my husband built. It's like three Mm -hmm. tiers Mm -hmm. and he has about anywhere from like six to 10 activities on it at a time, Mm -hmm. whether that's puzzles or, uh, you know, Duplo, Lego Duplos, or Mm -hmm. let me see what's on it. (laughs) Um, He has some train track, like wooden train tracks on there right now. And some more like open-ended plays like wooden cars and things like that. Um, And so I kind of just watch him 
and have my husband watch him um, and just see what he's interested in. And if I notice he's not using something, I will just swap it out for something else. Yeah. That also really helps with the amount of toys we have because um, I don't feel like I need to go out and buy him a new toy. Yeah. Sometimes if you just put your kids' toys away for a week or two and then bring them back out, they're like, wow, this is like a, and as they get older, you can do it for longer. Yeah. Put it away for like a month. Mm -hmm. They'll be like amazed. Yeah, um, that they have this new thing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, the main thing. And also just in general, um, Montessori goes really deep into an appreciation of nature. Yeah. And one thing we really love to do with my son is called a child's walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can look it up on, vi- on YouTube uh, for like a really detailed like video about mm-hmm. what it really is. But basically, it's just walking with your child at your child's pace and ideally like in like a really nature filled area, but it can also just be in your neighborhood mm-hmm. um, and just seeing what they're interested in. Uh, do they pick up a stick? You know, <laughs> like ask them, Oh, did you find a stick or anything? But instead of like saying, come on, let's go. We got to go. We got to get to the park or we need to get home. It's time for lunch. Just mm-hmm. letting them go at their pace and uh, just exploring the world. Obviously, if you really need to go somewhere, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, you have to be a parent. But yeah. you know, give yourself a good amount of time to be able to be out in nature with your child, mm-hmm. um, and you know, that gives them an appreciation of nature, and also it's just like a really great sensory and language experience for your child. Yeah, I love that so much, and it's so funny that you say like that book really like helped you get into it and understand it better because I've seen so many people recommend it. And I finally, like, I, I don't know, as a mom to two right now, I cannot sit down and read a book because my kids will rip it out of my hands and do all that. <laughs> but I actually finally this week, I just caved and I got the Mont, like that. I don't remember the Montessori child or Montessori mm-hmm. toddler, what, whichever mm-hmm. book you just mentioned. I finally got that on Audible. I like bought the credits and I got the book and I downloaded it and I am waiting to like dive into it. But this makes yeah. me really want to because I feel like I'm kind of the same as you in respect to like gentle and attachment parenting. And I feel like Montessori just falls in line with that. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I don't know. I was always too intimidated to kind of dive in. So yeah, Yeah. I'm excited um, to read the book and everything that you said just clicked in my head so much. (laughs) And I feel like it will help a lot of other moms and parents out there because it really makes so much sense to like follow your child and like let them learn what they need to learn in order to like grow and, you know, progress. And the toy rotation thing is absolutely genius because yeah, it's a game changer. It really is. I I love that. I'm definitely going to start doing that with mine because their toy shelves are like a little bit cluttered. And I have a lot of the Montessori toys too. We have like a lot of the sensory toys and like the wooden toys and try to stay away from the like loud and, I guess just like overwhelming Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. toys, even though we do have like a lot of transformers and cars and stuff (laughs) because he's four years old now and he, he loves Optimus prime, (laughs) but no, yeah, I love all of that. And it definitely makes so much sense that it would help your child play better and learn better. And yeah, I love that. Yeah. And one thing I'll say about when you jump into Montessori, um, I think, sorry, my dog, (laughs) hold on. (laughs) She should, She's yelling at some. 
Okay. Um, okay. So one thing I'll say about jumping into Montessori is it seems like you might need to purchase a lot of items. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, you know, on a budget or if you're just trying to do things, you know, more sustainably, I would mm-hmm. highly recommend, like, if you are like, oh, I need this Montessori activity, mm-hmm. try to go to a thrift store and try to make it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten a ton of awesome things. Like they're not even toys. They're just items like wooden boxes yeah. um, to make like a coin box or, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of slightly DIY things um, yeah. with things you found at a, at a thrift store. I found like this um, beer shoot thing that's like oh a God. wooden thing with like three holes for beers. And I oh, yeah. did them different colors. Oh. And then I did like color sorting pom-poms. Oh my God. So there's so many different things you can do. And we also like found my son's table and chairs in the trash. Oh um, and I've found like some other things like that people just thrown away that I'm like, yeah. oh, this actually aligns with Montessori. But um, I think um, the point is you don't really need to spend a lot of money to do Montessori. Because yeah. I think that a lot of people will look at the pictures of people's beautiful Montessori playrooms yeah. and get intimidated. And I I think it's more about a shift than yeah. going out and buying all new things. Yeah. Um, because I don't really think that's sustainable either. Yeah. Um, and no, also I, Montessori yeah. toys are not cheap. So oh my gosh. No. <laughs> I know yeah. the first time, I think the first Montessori toy that I bought our son was like the Grimm's rainbow and I got it like on sale at some like boutique website and it was still like $85 Mm -hmm. and at the time it was like it was like a Christmas present so I was like okay well it's like one of his five you know presents that we're going to get him so it's not a big deal but it was so expensive but then it's so funny like my son's four now in that rainbow like We've gotten rid of so many toys. That rainbow is the one thing, like it's held up perfectly. It mm-hmm. still gets played with almost every day by both of my kids now. And every time kids come over. So it's so interesting to like see, yeah, that like the Montessori toys, a lot of times like they'll hold up so much better and your kids will play with them for like a long time because they're so versatile. So, but yeah, I definitely agree that trying to find them, you know, secondhand or DIYing them is a really, really good way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, like a lot of the toys are wooden because mm-hmm. in Montessori, they really, there's like a thing where the kids kind of have um, a different sensation when holding like real materials, wooden yeah. or silk or, mm-hmm. um, you know, metal instead of holding a plastic thing. Yeah. Um, it actually gives a different sensory experience, which is like really beneficial for young children and even babies. Um, You know, a lot of one thing that I wish I would have done with my son is done like wooden baby teethers um, because I did like silicone ones Mm -hmm. and I hadn't, you know, I didn't know about much story that much at the time. Um, But wooden baby teethers are like super awesome and they're like antibacterial. So um, if you, you know, you want one for your. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I'm about to add that to like my little registry checklist. That's awesome. Yeah, and they're also like really pretty. So yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the whole wooden toy thing, and I feel like a lot of people are just like, "Oh, it's just like an aesthetic. It's just you know, it's just for looks." But people don't understand. There's like a real reason behind mm-hmm. using like wooden toys and using specific colors and everything like that. Like it's all based around helping your kids development, helping Mm -hmm. them learn, helping them. Yeah. Again, like you said, it's so different, like holding a nicely made, like wooden toy versus like the, 
you know, cheap plastic one. It's a whole different like learning experience for, for your kids. Yeah, it really is. And the thing about Montessori toys toys is that the kid is doing the work. Mm -hmm. The toy is not doing the work for them. It's not like a button that they press and it sings them a song. Yeah. Um, You know, those kinds of things will make your kid bored very easily. Mm -hmm. Whereas open-ended toys or, um, you know, puzzles, things like that, those, you know, they draw the child in because they need to do something with them. Mm -hmm. They don't just need to sit and press a button. Yeah, no. Yeah, Yeah. that makes total sense. Like we, I think besides the rainbow, the first like kind of Montessori-ish toy we got my son was the train tracks. And Mm -hmm. for that, he didn't have anything like that. And literally he played like the day after the Christmas day when he went in and saw his new like train track set. I think he played it for like an hour and a half straight, just building the train track. And it was like, wow, (laughs) yeah, so bored in his playroom. And like, all it took was an open-ended toy that Mm -hmm. he could, you know, use his imagination and construct this himself. And it, yeah, it's just crazy to see like the shift in your kids just from like a different kind of toy. Yeah, definitely. You should also look into like Waldorf. Um, because Waldorf is very like open-ended, a lot of open-ended play. And I'm definitely not strictly Montessori. I like to mix in Waldorf um, and other like teaching aspects because I, I do find a huge importance in open-ended play. Um, and that's very, very Waldorf. And nature play is also very Waldorf. I'm getting more into Waldorf. (laughs) I've been like this Montessori, Montessori. Now that I'm learning about Waldorf, I'm like, oh, I actually really like Waldorf. But they actually mesh together really, they mesh together really well. I didn't even really know it was like a separate thing. But yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look into that too. Because yeah, I love the open-ended toys and nature-based play. So Mm -hmm. I guess I like Waldorf too. (laughs) Put that on my list of things to start like researching. That's awesome. Yeah, Waldorf is wonderful. It's like there's a lot about traditions and nature traditions, like the moon cycle, uh, celebrating different seasons. And I find that really awesome. And I think now that my son's a little bit older, he'll kind of understand that more. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when they're babies, they don't really understand the seasons (laughs) or like the weather, Mm -hmm. but um, there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, that no, that's not amazing. Waldorf. You said like moon phases and I was like, okay, whatever this <laughs> is, I'm about to be like 100%. Like yes. that's, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, we always look at the moon. <laughs> Me and my oh. son, he loves the moon. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Mine too. Ever since he was like old enough to be able to point and say the moon, he's like mm-hmm. been obsessed. Like we bought a telescope and now you can't see anything because our backyard has a ton of trees, but yeah, I love that's That's amazing. Yeah, that would be a fun, like, activity telescope. Yeah, well, we bought one, and it was, like, broken, but it's, like, a $200 oh. telescope, and the lady was, like, I'll give it to anybody for free who wants to fix it up. We were, like, we will, and then it's just been sitting in our garage, because we don't know what piece of it. We were, like, like, me Whoa. with every free thing I get. Like, I'm yeah. totally gonna do that. And Same. I was, like, it'll be so easy to take it apart and see which piece is broken, and literally, it's on my garage floor, and I'm, like, oh, my God. We've had this thing for, like, you know, we need to fix it, That's but, funny. yeah. That would be an awesome project for him too. Like, yeah, that's true. Just let him tinker with it since it's already broken. (laughs) Awesome. You're yeah. I need to do that. And maybe I'll pull it into the house this week and be like, Camden, fix this. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this episode was just jam packed full of things that 
I like, I don't know. I, my mind is just going a million miles an hour now <laughs> thinking about like Montessori and Waldorf now and <laughs> vegan foods and stuff. So I think that this will like, yeah, hopefully everybody listening to this absorbed something from this and um, yeah, got something out of it. Cause I know I did. <laughs> so oh. thank you so, so much for <laughs> coming on and talking. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, where can my listeners um, like find you at with your podcast and um, hear more from you on social media? Yeah, so my Instagram is sustainable.motherhood mm-hmm. and my podcast is Sustainable Motherhood Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on iTunes, Spotify, and I think SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to shoot me an email, if you're interested in like talking more, my email is sustainablemotherhoodpodcast at gmail.com. So (laughs) yeah, I try to be kind of active on Instagram. I'm not the most, I'm not the most consistent to be honest, but um, yeah, I like to share kind of what me and my son are up to Mm -hmm. and uh, try to like give some ideas for, you know, low waste and zero waste play things, toys, Mm -hmm. thrifted things, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) No, that's awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much again. Again, this was, at least for me, this was extremely helpful. So I feel like for everybody listening to this episode, they're going to be able to take something away from this. So, so thank you so, so much. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good one. See you too. Bye. Bye.